Good Mother's Day. Nice to have you all out, out here. Celebration of Mother's Day. Before you all leave, we do have some things for moms to take with them. We'll have those uh, out there at the back for you. If you look up on the screen, in honor of Mother's Day, we have some special definitions for you. Uh, some of you moms may appreciate some of these more than the others. But the, the first word was the word abdicate, which means to give up all hope of ever having a flat stomach. <laughs> Adult, a person who has stopped growing at both ends and is now growing in the middle. Antique, an item grandparents bought, your parents got rid of, and you are buying again. Avoidable, what a bullfighter tries to do. Avoidable. Boulder Dash, a rapidly receding hairline. A bathroom, a room used by the entire family, believed by all except mom to be self-cleaning. <laughs> Coffee, a person who is coughed upon. Deranged, where the buffalo roam. Eyedropper would be a clumsy ophthalmologist. Experience, the name men give to their mistakes. Feedback. I like this one. The inevitable result when the baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. <laughs> Grocery list. What you spend half an hour writing then forget to take with you to the store. Hindsight. What one experiences from changing too many diapers. Independent. How we want our children to be as long as they do everything we say. Uh, Misty. It took me a little while to get this one. How golfers create divots. Overstuffed recliner, mom's nickname for dad. <clears throat> Owl, the first word spoken by children with older siblings. Polygon, a dead parrot. Relief, what trees do in the spring. Selfish, what the owner of seafood store does. Show off, a child who is more talented than yours. Top bunk, where you should never put a child wearing Superman pajamas. Oh my. <laughs> Vegetarian, I like this one. Old Indian word for bad hunter. <laughs> well, definitions. People have often said that a definition of stupidity is doing the same thing again, expecting different results. I think one of the hardest things we have to do when we're listening to the Holy Spirit as he is directing us is to do something that the Holy Spirit or we felt the Holy Spirit told us to do before. And it didn't work. Have you ever had God lead you to a similar place to do a similar thing and you are resistant to hearing him? Simply because I've been here before and it didn't work. We're finishing up our series here on discerning the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at some examples. This one we look at first is very well known to you, but it looks like it's been a couple of years since we've been into this one. Surely is a, a good one to get into. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, one of the first things we'll see that happens at times, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens at times that God will have us return to the same thing. Return to the same thing. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. 
came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. But the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Here's the first thing we hear that Moses is, is, or God speaks to Moses. He says, Moses, Moses. We've all talked about it before when God says your name twice. Now, he doesn't start off yelling at, at Moses, but Moses has not done what God said to do. Forty years ago, Moses answered the call to become the deliverer of, of uh, Israel from Egypt. But he didn't do it right. He heard the call, but he wasn't prepared yet. Remember one of the things we told you about, if you want to see a, recognize a distraction, is the devil, the enemy, will try and get you to do something you have not been prepared to do. You will fail at that. You'll get involved in something. And a lot of times, if he can pull you into something you're not prepared to do and you do it early, when God says the time is now for you to do it, you are worn out. And you aren't going to go. Moses has already done this thing. Doesn't really want to hear about doing it again. God has been <clears throat> probably talking to him, ministering to him. Hey, it's time to go back. <clears throat> and he hasn't done it. But he calls to him, Moses, Moses. And we hear the response from, from Moses. Here I am. Isn't that the good thing to do? I mean, if God calls you, isn't the best response you can say, here I am. We looked at it not too long ago when uh, Samuel was on the bed. And God called to him, Samuel, Samuel. What does Samuel finally do? Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. I'm hearing you. It's one of the best things you can do. When God talks to us, be ready. <clears throat> Verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. have heard their cry because of their tax massacres, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So here's the call of God. I've seen the oppression they've gone through. It's time to pull them out. And he says to them, Come now. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, if you have already done this, you have already tried it and failed miserably. And God says, hey, I want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to approach Pharaoh and I want you to bring these folks out. What's your response? And I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt and whatever else you want to put on. I, I am not the deliverer. Thought I was, but nope, I'm not it. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So here we have from God, Come, I will send you. And he says, Who am I? Now see, this is a lot of times what happens. The enemy has sown things in us to get us to believe that we're nobody special. We're not called of God. We can't do it. 
We failed before. We're going to fail again. And so when the word of God comes, come, I will send you. What do we say? <clears throat> Who am I? Who am I? We instantly look at why we are inferior, why we can't get it done. Who am I? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't know about you, but if I'm Moses, I, I'm on Moses' side at this, at this one spot right here. <clears throat> God's saying, look, go deliver Israel, bring them out, and I'll show you as a sign that this is true when you come here and you worship at the mountain. I'm saying, this is after the fact. I need to know a little bit more beforehand, right? Don't you want to be there? Especially if you've failed before. I mean, if we have already come out of Egypt, we've already been delivered from Pharaoh, and then we're here at this mountain, I don't need any more signs. And Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your, of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So he says, I will be with you. I said, great, you're going to be with me. Who are you? Who shall I say has sent me? It sounds like a good, a good response. But Israel is supposed to be worshiping one God. So when he comes down and says, the God that you worship, of course, Israel is not worshiping one God right now. They have gotten involved in some idolatry. He says, so who, who am I supposed to say? I mean, what is the name of God? So he gives them a name. I am who I am. Now, Jesus uses this term I am later on in, the, in his ministry. I am has sent me to you. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Who sent you? I am. I don't know. It's, I don't understand. That's quite not quite working here. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what he what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the lamb flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, and you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. Now let's just stop that for just a minute. <clears throat> Moses knows the Israelites. He lived there for a while. He's been away from them for 40 years, but he knows the Israelites. God knows the Israelites. You know the Israelites from reading about them. Does this description fit the Israelites? Can you picture Israel, of all that you've read in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, can you picture Israel with someone coming in who was a failed deliverer before, came out of the house of Pharaoh, and they chased him away, who comes to you 40 years later and says, Hey, I heard from God. God sent me. I think if, if you've got to be Moses, you're thinking, man, that's not going to fly. I know these people. They're not going to buy into this. 
I think sometimes God has a very high opinion of us. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its, in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. <clears throat> and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely for of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Now he gave them the whole, he didn't give them all the details, but he gave them the whole story. You're going to go to Pharaoh. And uh, Pharaoh's not going to be too willing to do this. Apparently his opinion of the children of Israel was they're going to be willing to accept you. But Pharaoh's not going to be so willing to do this. But don't worry. We're going to bring them out with a strong hand. And after I get done with all these mighty works, he doesn't say how many. He just says it's going to take some mighty works. And after we get done with that, they're going to basically chase you out. And they're going to give you money to go. Then Moses answered and said, okay, I'll do it. No, he didn't say that yet, did he? He's still struggling because we've been out this, this way before. We've done this before and it failed. So he says, let's just, let's just suppose for a minute. Suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, I don't know, just for argument's sake, let's just say that they say this. The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. Moses fled from it. Moses is afraid of snakes. <clears throat> Start that rumor, pass it around. How many of you are afraid of snakes? Yeah. I am afraid of snakes that I don't know. If I know the snake, I may not be afraid of it. I was in, we were watching the movie the other time, and, and uh, they had a corn snake jump out on one of the actors. I thought, dear Lord, what are you jumping back from a corn snake for? Go out there and hold the thing. It's fine. A corn snake's not going to hurt you. Kind of nice. But um, there's some people, if it snakes and it slithers on the ground, I am not getting near it. And I'm totally on the page with that, with anything that's venomous. You know, it's, uh, it's just not fun to be bit by a snake. Even a garter snake, you know, it's not fun to be bit by one. They're not going to hurt you or anything like that. But, but anyway, we, we don't know what kind of snake it was. We assume, people have assumed over the years, if you ever watched the movies about Moses, we assume it was a cobra. I don't need to be asked twice if I see a cobra. I am generally going the other way. I told you one of my professors down at Raymond, when we were there, he had uh, gone on um, tour, so to speak, with uh, <clears throat> some uh, very big name evangelists. Tom Pickens was his name. And he told us, he said, I am willing to pick up any snake that is fast enough to catch me. <clears throat> I thought, yeah, that's good. That's, I like that. <laughs> if all else fails, I'll pick it up. So he cast it to the ground, becomes a servant. Moses fled from it. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. All right, now, we don't know a whole lot about snakes because we don't play with them a whole lot. We don't handle them a whole lot. But I do know that the one thing you don't do with a snake, don't grab it by the... If you're going to grab a snake anywhere, you grab it around the head. Not on the head, but by the head. Because you want to control the things in the front. If you have the tail, can't do that. That guy used to be on the TV 
before he died, Stephen, um, what is his name? Irwin. There you go. Uh, I remember the big, I don't know, 30, 50-foot snake he had. He was talking about how deadly it was and all that, and he's got it by the tail. That thing's way out there in front. He's, he's talking about you know, the whole time he's sweating and telling you about how it could just whip around and bite him. He'd be dead before they can... Why are you doing that, Stephen? I don't know if you understood that. He just always, you know, he got the cameraman, got all this stuff there. He got the snake by the tail. <clears throat> Generally, we don't grab snakes by the tail. God tells him to grab the snake by the tail. Now, this is a man who has been questioning God all along. And God tells him to grab a snake by the tail. And he does it. Does that not strike you as funny? If you know, don't grab a snake by the tail. It's a bad, and you are afraid of the snake because you've already fled from it. Why does he, oh, all right, grab by the tail. He goes right up and he grabs it by the tail. This guy who is not afraid to grab a snake by the tail, a snake that he is afraid of, is arguing with God about going back to Egypt. And he reached out and said, it doesn't even say he argued. He fled from it. So there's a distance between him and the snake. God says, pick it up by the tail. He closes the distance between him and the snake. How many of y'all know you're not doing that? I'll pick it up if it comes over here. If it comes over this way, that'll be a sign to me that I should pick it up. <clears throat> and if it starts to come closer, no, it's not a sign. It's just being aggressive. <clears throat> I'm going to go over to here. And if it follows me over here, right, we'll do stuff like that. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of, your, of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. Well, that's easy. Put his hand in his bosom. When he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. Okay, God, this is not good. I'm doing what you say, and bad things are happening here. <laughs> I throw the, the rod on the ground, it becomes a snake. I put my hand in my bosom, it becomes leprous. This is, this is not good. Why are you picking on me? So he put his hand in his bosom again and withdrew it from his bosom. And behold, it was restored like the other flesh. Then it will be, if, you, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry ground. And the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry ground. So, God is telling them, uh, here's, some, here's some mighty works. I'm going to show you a little bit of it. This is just a little bit of the power we're going to be doing. And then the big one, we're, we're not going to do that here. We're going to wait till we get over there. We're going to see water turned into blood. So he gives them the whole plan. He says, here's the plan. <clears throat> but, he says, they may not believe me. They may not listen to me, Moses says in response. He gets the whole plan from God and, Mo and Moses comes back. They may not believe me. They may not listen to me. Now, that stops our responses. Up till now, God has spoken and Moses has responded. And every time that he does that, God has another response and then he has a response and then God has a response and he has a response. So he decides, instead of being on the defensive, let's go on the offensive. Then Moses said to the Lord. The Lord doesn't say anything about this. The Lord, Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before you since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech, slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what to say. And look what he says. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since 
you have spoken to your servant. Now, he may be referring way back to when he spoke to him before, or he may be talking about here. If he's talking about here, can you imagine why a person may not be able to talk real well if a burning bush is talking to you? If a rod turns into a snake, if your hand becomes leprous, would that impact your reaction in your speech? Might just a little bit. So he says, look at me right now. I'm stammering. I'm stuttering. I don't know what to say. Uh, you don't want to send me. I'm seeing all this stuff going on and it's throwing me. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, and the seen, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go. Now I will be with your mouth. And teach you what to say. Moses is only thinking one thing. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> Thought I had something good there. Huh. Can't speak well now. He's not going to take that one. But he said, okay, I'll go. No, he didn't say that yet, did he? Now he's still on the offensive. Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. In other words, he's saying, look. I just don't want to do it. Have you ever done something for God before, failed, and just decided, I don't want to do this anymore? It happens all the time. How many of you know people, they have been in churches, it didn't work. They got hurt, they got offended, they left the church. And you start talking about, you ought to go out to church, you ought to come out to church, and what do they say? I'm not going. I'm not going. Why? I did that before didn't work that you had no no cause of that it was all somebody else's fault right of course it was i was fine and you can go through all the excuses how many of you battle them are excuses well it's too early in the morning well it's too far away well it's boring well i can't sing well well i don't have anything to wear the music's too loud I don't like the music. I don't like the people. People aren't nice to me. All kinds of excuses we come up with. And you start handling the excuses, talking about the excuses, and then finally at the end, what do you get to? I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't need church. I don't want church. Leave me alone. This is where Moses is. We're trying to get out there on the, the other spots, but it's not working. So God may be dealing with those people about going out to church, but what are they doing? They're resisting. They're throwing out excuses. If God tells them some things <clears throat> about why they should get back in church, what are they going to do? They're, re- they're reacting like Moses did. Well, that's, that's not such a good idea. You know, if I get on out there, they're all going to ask me questions. Why haven't you been in church? What am I going to say to them? So I'll see what the Lord says. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, now up till now, apparently God has not been mad. What's that commercial that was out there? Don't make me mad with Mother Nature. Don't make Mother Nature mad. You won't like me when I'm mad. Is that how how that one went? Yeah. Yeah, don't make the Lord mad. You won't like him when he's mad. We're reading through Revelation right now in our reading. And you get to see what happens when God gets mad. We haven't hit the, the good sections of that yet, but it's coming. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. We're back over here to the, to the speaking stuff. He is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now, Aaron is a slave. Right? How is he on his way? 
He's in Israel. He's a slave of Egypt. How, has Aaron, how is Aaron on his way? It doesn't really explain that, does it? If you were a slave and you are now not a slave, what happened? Did you slip through the system? That probably didn't happen. Did they just say, you know, Aaron, you've been working for us a long time. <clears throat> been doing a good job. And um, you know, we had a falling out with your brother. But um, we're going to let that go. And we're going to give you your papers. You're free to go. Think that happened? I don't think that happened. How did he get free? I only know of one way for a slave to get free. In, in this system with Egypt. Only one way. How? Well, actually, there's two ways. One, you could die. That'll free you. And the other one? Escape. So he escaped. If you are Aaron, and you have just escaped from Egypt, and you went out to Midian, I guess he found out that Moses was out there. You're going out to Midian to find Moses. And Moses says, great, you're here. Let's go to Egypt. <laughs> How excited are you about this? I, 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 just, I just escaped there. They got posters up about me. I'm wanted. You want me to go back there? Yeah, and I want you to be the, the main spokesman. I'm going to get the stuff from God, and then you go before Pharaoh, and you tell him what I say. How many think this is going to work real well here? Huh. But God's already got this going. He's already got Aaron on his way, meeting him. Hmm. Now you speak to him. Put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth, with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. <clears throat> so he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. Well, he says, I, basically, I don't want to put in your outline to go back and do again what didn't work before is a hard thing. But if God says to, we must follow. But you've got to make sure that it's God. You've got to listen to, is God telling you to go back and to do that thing? Now, God is telling Moses, go back to Egypt. Did you think of anyone else who heard that? Did anyone else in the Bible ever hear, go back to Egypt? Well, the first case I can think of is Israel. When they faced no water, what did they say? They heard voices. What did the voices say? Go back to Egypt. You had lots of food there. Life was pretty good. I don't even know why you left. Go back to Egypt. That was the wrong voice, wasn't it? When Abraham came down to the promised land and found out there was a famine, what does he do? I'm going down to Egypt. So just because you hear the words, go down to Egypt, doesn't mean that it's God. Just because you hear the words, go back to what you were doing before, doesn't mean that it's God. You've got to find out, is it God? If it's God, you need to go back and do that thing. If it's not, don't worry about it. But it's sometimes very, very hard for us to go back to what we had failed at before. We failed at it. It didn't work. Can you think of anything that you went to before and it just didn't go well? And God says, I want you to return. I want you to return. I want you to go back and do that thing. Because I've called you to it. 
I put you up to this, and I'm going to be with you. And he gives you all the same promises that, that Moses got. You can go out there and you can, you can do that. How many of you have some places you've been, it didn't go well, and you have said, I'm never going back there. Had a job, job didn't go well. What are you saying? No, I'm not going back to that job. I don't care how much money they pay me. I'm not going back to that job. I don't like the people. I don't like what they did. That's what he's saying, right? What if God comes down to you and says, I need you to go back? Hmm. Now, just because you hear go back doesn't mean that God said it. Sometimes the enemy can get you caught up with this and say, no, you need to go back. And God says, I don't want you back there. Brother Hagin used to share this story with us. I love this, this story. He had pastored a number of churches, <clears throat> left his last church that he pastored. And um, he was actually the most comfortable he'd ever been in, in, uh, in that. And he was out on the road, and it took a while. He's finally getting things going on the road and doing some things. And up in his spirit was coming this, this thing, I want you to go back to that church and pastor it again. Oh, he didn't want to go back to that church and pastor it again. He thought of all the things that went on with that. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I kept saying, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to that church. And night after night, he'd be up at night. God would be dealing with him. I want you to go back to that church. And um, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I, 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 you, you had me leave that calling to pastoring and go out here and do this. I don't want to go back. But he couldn't sleep. He was messing with all sorts of... He finally just said, all right, all right. He got down on his knees in the middle of the night. Got down on his knees and says, Father, Father, if you want me to go back, I will go back. God says, I don't want you to go back. I want you to be willing to go back. He says, you may not have been all these weeks, months, losing sleep, restless, and all you want me to do is be willing? He says, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't become unwilling to do something. But listen to the voice of God. Because sometimes it is the hardest thing to go back and to do something that you did before. It didn't work. Jeremiah chapter 20. Short little few verses here. He's just telling us about some things that had happened with him. You see, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah had to speak the word out to kings, to people who, who ruled the land. Because they were ruling it wrong. They were not following after God. They were not following after the laws of the land. And he had to keep coming out and telling them, you are missing it. You are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you can kind of understand that the, the kings and the people in authority and the people who are ruling didn't like to hear that. But they were in power and they could pretty much abuse Jeremiah all they wanted to. Because it was their land, it was their power. And uh, it wasn't going well for Jeremiah. He would get the word from God. He would come out and he would tell it to the people. They didn't want to listen. And they beat him up in the process. They badmouthed him. They tore down his reputation. They said all manner of evil about him. And he's just getting tired of this. So he writes this to us. He says, Oh Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shot at violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not for I heard many mocking fear on every side report, they say, and we will report it. 
and all my acquaintances watch for my stumbling, saying, Perhaps he can be induced, and they will prevail against him. We will take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. And they will, great, they will be greatly ashamed, for they will not pr- prosper. The everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. Now, I looked around a number of different translations to kind of get this in a little bit more um, modern uh, translation. Something that we could understand a little better what's being said. Because it's, it's a little bit blind to us what he's saying. So I pulled this out of the message. <clears throat> Listen to this. Same, same verses. You pushed me into this, God, and I let you do it. <laughs> you were too much for me. And now I'm a public joke. They all poke fun at me. Every time I open my mouth, I'm shouting murder or rape. And all I get for my God warnings are insults and contempt. But if I say, forget it, no more God messages from me. The words are fire in my belly, a burning in my bones. I'm, more, I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it any longer. Then I hear whispering behind my back, there goes old danger everywhere. Shut him up. Report him. Old friends watch, hoping I'll fall flat on my face. One misstep and we'll have him. We'll get rid of him for good. But God, a most fierce warrior, is at my side. Those who are after me will be sent sprawling. Slapstick buffoons falling all over themselves. A a spectacle of humiliation no one will ever forget. So here's what is going on. Jeremiah hears the word from God. Jeremiah tells God, God, this is not a good idea. It's not going to be received. If I go out there and tell them this message, I'm telling you right now, they're not going to receive it. And they're going to get mad at you. They're going to get mad at me. But they're going to beat me up because I'm here. You're not. I am. And God says, I want you to do it. And Jeremiah says, it's not a good idea. We shouldn't do this. And God says, I don't care. I want you to do it. You are my servant. Get out there and do it. And he says, well, you're stronger than I am. I guess I have to listen. And so he goes out there and does it. And they respond exactly the way Jeremiah says. And Jeremiah comes back to God. And you know what he says? Told you. Told you. Is it any better now? Is anybody following after you? Have we changed any minds? Nope. Not a single one. Everyone who was against you before is more against you now. Except now they're madder at me. See this black eye? This didn't just happen. Yeah. And God says, I I understand that, Jeremiah. I I see that. I have another message for you. And God, you're just not getting this. You're not understanding. They don't want to hear. And God says, "Ah, I know, but I want you to say it. He says, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. Tired of doing this? Get somebody else? I've been beat up. I've been abused. They said all manner of evil about me. Made it hard for me to even walk in the streets anymore. I'm not going to say it. And he sits there with the word of God on the inside of him. And it's harder to sit there with it on the inside than it is to get out there and to say it. And so he finally he gets out there. Well, I'm going to say this. Now, how many are thinking he's saying this with a joyful heart? He's saying this. I have no peace no matter what I do. 
If I say this, they're mad at me. If I don't, it's burning in like fire on the inside of me. So he goes out there and he says it again. What happens? If I don't respond, put this in your outline for you. Even though we are sure we know how people will respond to the words of God, we speak. Doesn't give us the right to stop. We may know for sure they're not going to hear it. They don't want to hear it. But it doesn't mean that you should stop. What the Word of God says, the Word of God says. Sometimes we need to say the same thing over and over and over and over. Sometimes you need to go to that person. You've been saying the message of God, saying it to them over and over, and they're not hearing it. And God gives you another message to say to them, what should you do? Well, they're not going to hear that. I'm not going to bother wasting my time. Did God give you a word? Did God give you something to say? Get out there and say it. It's not going to, may not go well. That's all right. You did what you're supposed to do. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. Sometimes we have to return to the same thing. Sometimes we have to say the same thing, even though it hasn't worked before. Here's the last one. Sometimes we have to do the same thing we did before. The word of the Lord came, that came to Hosea, the son of Bari, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblim, and she conceived and bore him a son. The Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the blood, bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu, and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So come to pass in that day that I will break the, the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. God said to him, Call her name Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly <clears throat> take them away. Yes, I will have mercy on the house of Judah. Will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo Ruhama, she conceived and bore a son, and God said, Call his name Lo Amin, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Now these are great names, huh? If you're the mom, if you're Gomer, and your husband comes to you and says, This is what we're going to name him. What? Why would we name them that? This isn't good. But what we have here is that Gomer was in a terrible lifestyle. She was a prostitute. Most times people are in that. It's not an occupation they chose. There was nothing else for them to do. They were trying to eat. They are trying to survive. And that's what she had come upon. And someone came along and says, I want to take you out of that lifestyle. And I want to bring you into my home. I want to make you my wife. And we're going to have children. And so she got out of that lifestyle. She had three children, growing them up, seeing them grow and develop, having a husband who, who loved her, provided for her. She didn't have to go out there and, and be a prostitute anymore. And this is all as a sign to God. God says, I want you to do this as a sign. As a sign. I want Israel to see that you went and you took someone who was a harlot and you brought them into this lifestyle. And people ask you, why did you go and pick a wife 
from someone who was a harlot. And he'll say, because God did it as an example, because Israel, you were a harlot, and God took you back. God went in there, got you, made you his. And you would think that once a life change like that would come in, that this would be great, but no. In Hosea chapter 3, we find out that somewhere along this process, after the third child, she decides, I'm going to go back to my old lifestyle. And the mother of three children goes back to a lifestyle of being a harlot and leaves her three children at home to pick up that life where she doesn't know where the paycheck is coming for each day, where she doesn't know where she's staying, what food she's eating. She went back into that lifestyle. Lord said to me in chapter 3, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing harlotry, just like the love of the Lord for your children Israel. Now, if you want to have some fun with this, there's a number. I, I didn't copy and paste them in here, but some of the modern translations, some of the, the message and the New Living Translation, you want to read this chapter in one of those. That's interesting read. But he's saying this. Go out there and take that woman who has committed harlotry again, who has left you, left the life that you had, left a good life, left three children, and went out into that lifestyle of harlotry. I want you to go out there. I want you to find her. This is what he says. Who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and leave the raisin cakes of, their, of the pagans. So I brought, bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver, that was the going rate for a slave, and one and a half homers of, of barley. He went out there and he bought her. That's his wife. And she's up on the auction block. Someone is selling her. And he buys her. He brings her back into the home. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days, and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man, so too will I be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the Lord, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord. Their God and David, their king, they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Those days have not come yet. What the Lord is prophesying here is just like Israel left for that lifestyle, I will buy them back. I will bring them back into this lifestyle. They will once again seek after me. So the word of the Lord comes to him again. Now, can you imagine if you're Hosea? If you got the word the first time to go out there and buy, uh, get a, someone out of prostitute living, and make her your wife. And you did that. And it was going well for a while. And then it kind of all just went, went to pot. And she went out. And God says, go get her. How many of you are saying, God, we did that before? I did that, but it did not work. This is not that kind of a... I'm not going to go out there and do that again. Bring her into the family. Bring her into the children again. And for her to do this. I mean, I know he could be making an argument. But he, he doesn't. As far as we know, he just goes out there. Buys her, brings her into the house. And it's kind of blind what he's saying to her in this. If you look at some of the more modern translations, it's kind of interesting what they'll, they'll throw out there. And I'll just, I'll just leave that out there for you to do. Now, here's a question for you. What kind of things has God sent you back to? What kinds of things has God sent you back to? Not just what have you gone back to. 
But what kind of things has God sent you back to? Now, now Gomer, she went back to an old lifestyle. Did God call her to do that? Just because you go back to something doesn't mean you're, you're following after God. Most times in the Word of God, people go back to something, they miss it. But here's what is the hard thing. To go back because God said it has success. That's a hard thing. But God, God will help you do it. What kind of things are you drawn back to? Here's the difference. What kind of things has God sent you back to? And what kind of things are you drawn back to? Now, I put this in your outline here for you so you make sure you get this. Make sure you know the difference between a burning, burning bush and a hot, dry wilderness. Make sure you know the difference between a burning bush and a hot, dry wilderness. Here's the reason. Both sent people packing for Egypt. Moses heard the burning bush and packed and went to Egypt. But the children of Israel heard the voice from the hot, dry wilderness and were ready to go back to Egypt. Just because you went back doesn't mean you did it right. But there are some times that you need to go back to do something. And it's sometimes very difficult to do. How many, we'll give you some examples here. How many folks have burned you in the past? Christians who lied to you. Christians who took advantage of you. And you are presented with an opportunity to trust a Christian again. And God is leading you into doing this. And what do you say? Been there, done that one. I'm not trusting that. I'm not trusting Christians again. That's not quite the way we should go, is it? Some people have gotten involved in a ministry and it didn't go so well. I'm not getting involved in that ministry again. Mm-mm, nope, not going to do it. Did that before. And just because it didn't go well doesn't mean that everybody else was wrong. Sometimes it can be us. But sometimes we'll keep ourselves from doing it. I'm not going back into that. For Moses, God says, I want you to be the deliverer, but he wasn't prepared for it yet and jumped into it too early, had trouble. That's not always the, the case to be. Sometimes in the area of our body, how many of you have ever done something to help your body and it didn't work? You heard from somebody, oh, you know, get on this diet. You heard from somebody, do this particular thing, exercise this way, or whatever it might be. You did something to help your body. You, you went out there, and it didn't work. And um, you thought, I'm not going to do that one again. I mean, sometimes we just write off all diets altogether because they're all evil. They're bad. They're evil. They're no good. They don't do any good. They just take away all the fun out of life. Right? Oh, I'll tell you what. But sometimes we, ha we just weren't ready for it. We just weren't uh, quite there. We didn't quite go after it the, in the right way. There were some, some, some times I was dealing with some things, you know, just in the, my, my legs and, and doing some things. And um, before I was, I was running, I discovered that on the, the certain spot on my leg was extremely painful. And so I got the idea. It, it kind of came up. I felt like it came up in my spirit. I got the idea, if you do this to that area, you'll get better. I thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I did. I did what I saw to do 
to that particular area. And I did it before I was going out and running. And the problem I was having got worse. It got worse. I said, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And this came up in my spirit. This is what came up. It says, well, don't do it before you run. Do it after. Oh. So I did. I did it after. You know what changed the whole thing? Now, that was a year, year and a half ago. And then, from recently, that issue came up again. But it came up to me, do it before you run. And, but you know what I'm thinking? I did that before. It hurt. It caused me problems. But it came up in my spirit. Go do it again now. But you see, my body's in a different spot now than it was then. So I did. You know what's happened? It's, it's helped doing good. I've, I, since I started doing it that way, the mileage that I'm running in, in a week has increased dramatically. I'm running, I'm running about as much as I want to run. I could run more, but it's, it's, it really helped out. Now, here was another thing. My wife, my wife helped me out with this one because I was stubborn. I was not ready to go for this one at all. You all know that I told you about the whole injury thing I had with my hip and that I went out because <clears throat> I wanted to, to run. This, this hip was called, I was running, I was running, I was doing good. Had this problem came up in the hip and it just started triggering everything in the leg and the knee and everything, all, all the sorts of stuff. Remember the story. So I went to uh, a doctor who has helped me out with uh, lots of things many times. And I told him, I think it's in my hip. He agreed. When we worked on it for a couple months, we could not get the hip solved. Took care of all this, we took care of a lot of the symptoms, not all, but a lot of them couldn't get the hip solved. Went to a physical therapist, told them about it. And they said, yep. We think you're right. It's in the hip. And after a couple of times there, I realized they have no direction as to which way they're going to go. No one could figure out what to do with his hip. So I just went after the thing. I said, Father God, I'm just going to do what you told me to do. And I was doing what he told me to do. My mileage was increasing. I was getting things going. But the hip was still a problem. I could still feel it. I could still feel causing some, some other issues. So my wife suggested, well, how about if you go over to this doctor I've gone to them, and, and they've done pretty well. You know what my response was? I've tried that a couple of times. It takes time to go out for the visit. It takes money. So I don't want to just... And, and so I, I shall tell you, I've resisted it. I've resisted it. Now, the, the issue got to be so bad, I was actually holding part of my leg when I was driving. It really hurt. <laughs> it really, really hurt. And she kept, every time she's driving with me, she's looking me over. She says, you're holding that again. It's really hurting you, isn't it? I says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Why don't you go and let this person take care of it? I didn't. I didn't go. You know why? Because I had gone that way before, and it hadn't worked. Now, if God tells me to go somewhere, I'll do it. But I hadn't heard that. So we're out there at a fair. We're out there at a fair... They're doing something, and this doctor has a little table set up. And she, oh, you can meet Dr. So-and-so. <laughs> I meet Dr. So-and-so. i got to tell you, hi, how you doing? Can we go now? <laughs> I'm ready to leave. Let's move on. I was, was not uh, real, real, I think that was September. I think by finally in October, the pain got high enough <laughs> that... Um, 
I said, all right, I'm going to go. So I called up and I made an appointment. And I never saw the doctor that she, she saw. I saw somebody else. And they had this special type of treatment that I had asked people about before. And um, they told me about it. I said, all right, well, I'll be interested in that. So he went there for a little while. And, and uh, I told him what my goals were and, and things like that. But it was, it was hard for me to go because I'm thinking I'm wasting my time. I've already been there. And, well, sure enough, that RT stuff helped out. <laughs> and we got things taken care of. We got some things fixed. I'm no, no longer holding my my knee or the, the the muscles that were involved there while I'm driving. I mean, I, if I drove two miles down the road, it hurt. It's not like you had to go on a long road, a long a long drive. It wasn't too too long, so that helped. See, sometimes God wants to tell us, but we're resistant to it. I won't hear it because I've been there. I have heard that. One of the things that will keep us from hearing the Spirit of God into taking you into a direction is I feel like I've done it or I just plain don't want to or we're resistant for some reason. Now, we talked about doctors before. God is not against doctors. God wants you healed. He really doesn't care how you get healed. He wants you healed. You can just say, well, God, I just believe that I'm healed right now and glory to God. That's good. You're not quite to that spot yet. And the doctor will help you out and you let that, that go on. What is it that God might try and lead you to? Now, here's the thing that can, that can really hinder us. How many have ever had some people in your past that really hurt you? I'll raise my hand up on that. Some of those people that if you see them, walls all the way around and a roof. You got a moat dug around the wall and guards outside of that. To get past the dogs, you have attack dogs. Right? Those kind of people. You know what kind of people I'm talking about. You have those kind of folks in your life. What if God says, I want you to go and minister to them? What would you do? <laughs> I'm not saying that God is, because more than likely, if you've got the walls, the moat, the dogs, and the guards, they do too, and they may not receive from you. But if God is ever going to deal with you, it's going to deal with you for a reason. One, it might just be, I just want you to be willing. Don't ever be unwilling. Two, it might be there's an open door, and he needs you to take it. But you've got to hear from God. See, your flesh and the enemy will pull you in just as much. You've got to discern the difference between a burning bush and a hot, dry wilderness. The Spirit of God will lead you. The enemy will drive you. But the Spirit of God will lead you. If you ever feel driven to do a thing, it is likely not God. The Spirit of God will lead you. He will lead you. Not always with a burning bush, <laughs> but he will lead you. Is what is familiar in the past, is what has gone on in the past, going to hinder you from hearing God in the future? Then you need to let it go. I got some people in my life. I've, I, I've told God. I've told you all. Certain people that I was in ministry before, if they walk through this door and they sit down in this chair to have church here, I will stop the service until they leave. Mm -hmm. 
this is the reason for it. And I, I worked with God with this for a while. It's one thing for me to risk myself. I do not have the opportunity to risk you. I will tell them that they may come to, come to me and say, I was wrong before. I realize that now. I want to turn over a new leaf. I said, great, do it someplace else. Do it someplace else, not here. But see, if, if God deals with me to talk with them, to do some things with them, that's a different thing. It's a different matter. Don't get to a place where you are resistant to God. God, don't tell me that. God, don't take me there. I won't do that for you, God. Because that will hold back your ability to discern the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. That will stop you from knowing the difference between a burning bush and a hot, dry wilderness. That will get you to go to Egypt for the wrong reasons. Where are you at with your spiritual walk? If God was to deal with you in something like this, how would you do? How would you do? This is Mother's Day. I don't think there's a mother out there that if their son or daughter, no matter what they had said, done, or whatever, if they came back and said, Mom, I'm sorry. How many of your moms are open arms? Come on. We need to be open arms with whatever it is that God would tell us to do. Whatever direction that God would say to go. And we cannot tell God that something is off limits. Because God will never lead us in a wrong place. In a place where we'll get hurt. Would you all stand up with me? Father, you are our guide. You are our helper. You will never lead us into a wrong place. You always take us to where it's beneficial for both us and your kingdom. You ask us to do some things that might be hard. It might be difficult. It might cost something. But you are God. And all do you repay those who will obey. We thank you for it. Father, we look forward to the things that you have to say to us. To hearing the direction that you wish to give. That you will take us on. We thank you. And we are growing and being sensitive to hearing the voice of God. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We have some praise reports. Do I have everybody's praise reports? Okay, this praise report is from Ray. Um, he says, while praising God this morning, the revelation came to me that my daughter, who at present rejects God, will turn to him and her strong will will be a powerful voice for God in the future. Amen. How many of you can praise God with us? Amen. 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 I don't know. I want to praise God for that. And I want to thank him for the word that's been sown in her heart from the time she was born until now. You know, when we say these praise reports at the end, I don't want them to be just a little, well, I'm giving you some information. Let's praise God together and rejoice. The word of God says when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one suffers, we all suffer. This is a praise report. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of one who is lost is coming back again. The enemies deceive her. But you know what? I'm standing with you. We're standing with you. She He's coming back into the kingdom. And do you know how I know that? Because God is faithful. Amen. We sung about it this morning. God is faithful. I don't care who is going the wrong direction. God is dogging them right now. Amen. By our prayers, he's dogging them. And he's reminding them of who he is. I don't care if he has to give them dreams in the nighttime to shake them up. Give them a nightmare, Lord. A Holy Ghost nightmare. Wake them up. 
God will have his way. Amen? Didn't we just hear about it this morning? God will take you back. (laughs) He'll remind you of some things. And I happen to know that this little one has experienced the power of God herself. Mm -hmm. She has experienced his power. So he's going to take her back to that time when she experienced it and say, explain that to me. You don't believe me? Explain who that was. Hallelujah. Nothing but love. And I just, Nick, you gave this to me and I just started to tear up. Thank you for your peace, Jesus. That peace that you have won for me. Amen. (laughs) Amen. If there's something that the world needs now is peace. Peace. Didn't Jesus say, my peace I leave with you? That peace that passes all understanding that when all this hoopla is going on in the world, we can say hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. We have peace because we know our Savior. Amen. Amen. We know where we're going. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I want to be excited this morning. My praise report is that my son texted me today. <laughs> I didn't get to hear his voice, but I got that text. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I hadn't heard from him in two and a half weeks. Right? Am I right? I, I, I heard know. more from him at boot camp <laughs> than I'm hearing now. And he's got his phone, his computer. I'm like, Lord, what's up with this? But today my prayer was answered. Hallelujah. Amen. 